Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. People, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we're excited. Just to clarify, I didn't lose a bet. I know some of you are thinking it, so we might as well get the elephant out the room. I didn't lose a bet. I do have a sister who doesn't really go to church, so she bought it for Christmas and said, I bet you won't preach in this. I don't lose, Des. So uh, this is your blessed. It has, it has nice big dots and, and easy buttons, so it's easy, helpful for, for many th- things. Just don't laugh too loud. <laughs> this is church, bro. Um, this is, this is church. Welcome to church. We, I'm really, really excited. We are in a series called A New Way, and we are taking a long, deep look at this incredible book of Colossians. And if you're visiting us for today, or it's the first time you're here for the series, it's a book written by a man in prison. And he saw, he's been on such an incredible journey of encountering Jesus that on his journey one day to Damascus, he encounters Jesus. He goes from a persecutor of the church to three days of blindness, but then he gets vision and starts preaching the gospel, the glorious gospel, the gospel of grace that starts seeing transformation come from city to city. And one of these cities that that glorious gospel gets to is the city of Colossae. And it gets there through his friend Epaphras, his partner in the gospel. He's never even been there himself. But he hears there's some challenges to the gospel that's been preached. There's some challenges for the people. So he decides in prison. Who's got an encouraging letter from prison lately? It's just like, I don't think if I went to prison, I haven't been. But if I did go, I think if I wrote a letter, it'd be like, where are you? Get me out of here. You know, he writes a letter saying, yeah, I'm so excited to see what God has done in your life. And the gospel's advancing. But I have these concerns, and I want to fight for you, and I want to fight for you by presenting Jesus. And he writes to them about Jesus. And we get to what I believe is the pinnacle of this incredible book, right in chapter 1, verse 15. But before we get there, I want to pray the prayer I'm praying every week, and we'll pray every week of this series, that God, the Holy Spirit, would show us Jesus this morning. Through His Word and through His revelation, we need to see Jesus. So I pray this morning as we, in this place, God, we've come here not to do church. We've come here not... To tick a box, we've come here to see you, God. I pray, Spirit of God, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus and let every other God, philosophy, idea that would present itself in our lives go tumbling down as we see the King of Kings, exalted, seated on His throne, glorious in all His ways. Amazing. Amen. I honestly believe in what I'm endeavoring to do in this, this part of Scripture to recite it for myself, so by the end of the series, I would be confident to recite it. I was going to give it a go this morning, but then my shirt was distracting me, so I'm not going to do that. Can you read with me the incredible Word of God? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope he hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. It's the most magnificent section of Scripture. And I want to change my title this morning. I want to speak this morning about the supremacy problem. The supremacy problem. What do I mean? I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to tell you right up front that the challenges of our world and all the answers that we are asking for, all the questions that we have, they lie in this truth. Jesus is supreme. And there's a fight for supremacy in your life. There's a surprise for supremacy in my life. And there's a, surprise, a fight for supremacy, got it right, in every story on this earth. Who's got unanswered questions this morning? Anyone got unanswered questions? Yeah, I think we should. I think life, and there are those questions that Google search just can't help. That life experience seems to somehow should help more, but it just confuses more. That the Cosmo can't help. I know, ladies, it's tragedy. And that self-help gurus who change their ideas every few years because it sells more books can't really help. There are those big questions in life that everyone is asking and everyone wants the answers to. And it's not the questions of, is it Spider-Man or Batman that's better? We know it's Batman. So why ask the question? Just come, we'll tell you the truth. It's those big questions like, who am I? Why am I here? Anyone ever asked that question? It's the question I get to ask the most. Okay, Jesus saved me. Why am I here now? What about the question like, what's wrong with our world? Why is it going bad? What are, what's the brokenness? Because there's a brokenness. And then there's another answer that flows from that. Well, what's the answer? Where do we go from here? And I believe in this section of Scripture, in this portion of Chris, Scripture, Paul presents the answer to all our questions. Welcome to church. You are going to have all your big questions in life answered in this 25 minutes. Are you ready? Some of you are like, you can't deliver. I don't have to, the Bible does. And here's my conclusion. Jesus is supreme in all things. That is the conclusion. He, he, we are tempted by so many other things uh, that try to take the, uh, the, the supremacy of our lives at Christ's expense. And Paul is fighting for that for the Colossians people. He's saying, no, it's Jesus. It's always only ever been Jesus. It's Jesus above all things. Forget the other things. Forget the laws that you think if you follow, somehow they're going to get you there. They can't get you there. I was the best of them. I made up my own laws and followed those. I was so good at it. It won't get you there. And then there's a whole bunch of other pressures coming in you, like worship other gods, and then there's doubtrophies and, and all these other kings. Forget them. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. It's not, we preach grace a lot, it's Jesus and his grace alone. And he presents the gospel. He says there's two big reasons for this. Number one, Christ is the Lord of all creation. Can you say all? And you know what? I'm not a Hebrew and Greek scholar to high levels, but I went and studied this week, and all means all. Like every single thing. And I love that quote from Abraham Kafer that says, There is not a square inch of all humanity over which Christ does not shout, Mine! Oh, Mark, but what about that area of town? Mine! Oh, what about that arrogant business that's backhanding and, and doing white-collar fraud? Mine! It's all Jesus. 
It wasn't a squinch that he left behind. Second of all, he's not just the creator, but he's also the founder of a new creation presented in the scripture. A new creation, a new story, and that story was paid for by his blood. He's invested. So I'm going to answer your questions. Number one, why am I here? Good question. Thanks for asking this morning. I believe the gospel has the answers for us. And I want to tell you, modern thought says you have a chance. Molecules were floating around and they went kaboom. And all of a sudden, you, you're here and you're going, why am I here? And the answer is brown eyes, brown hair, glasses, Sammy's persona, Sammy's individuality. Well, Sammy actually just because atoms collided. Just because your mom and dad just happened to get together. Oh, too much detail. Okay, I'm going to move on. It's like, it's just like, just by chance you are here. It's just, it's just a whole bunch of things. Your child's unique personalities, their freckles, their beauty spot. It's a kind of lottery in the grand scheme of things. That's what the world's saying. It's what they're shouting. And God's word says this. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and indivisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay, Mark, um, you're having a moment because that tells us about Jesus. Good point. Thank you for asking. The Bible says you will never know yourself. You will never truly know yourself until you see him, until you know him. Why? And I just go to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. And then it continues in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, in, in verse 26 Verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created. And then he makes man and woman. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created. He made me in his image. How do I know me? Well, I look in the image of God and I see my image. I keep looking into the image of God. I keep looking into the eyes of the Father. I keep looking at God. I keep having my soul exploded with the glory and the wonder of God. And in every moment that happens, I find out who I am. I stop reading the self-help books that try to tell me who I am. And I start looking at the one who made me to find out who I am. And then he reveals even more because he's that gracious. He says, I want to tell you who you are. Psalm 8 verse 5, you have, been, you, made, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Who? You and me. Stop believing the lie that you're so dirty and so messed up. No, God has poured his grace on your life. If you have received his love, he has washed you. And he says he has crowned you with glory and honor. Who are you? You're someone who's been crowned with glory and honor by the king of kings. And he carries on and he reveals it throughout his word. I can only touch on a few. And Psalm 139, the psalmist is writing for, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Oh, just, just particles and cells. And I didn't do well in science, so I'm going to stop the analogy there. Coming together and just, that's Sammy. No, that's not Sammy. There's a father in heaven who knit her together in her mother's womb. Not the will of a man, a father, a husband, or a wife, or the circumstance of life, but the eternal glory of the living God. Who am I? I am the crowning glory of the creation of God. And as a result, I have dignity, I have worth, and I have a story, and I'm pulled into his story, and my way to know myself is to know him. 
We spoke about it last week about growing in wisdom and understanding. That's to grow in understanding is to know God. There is a spiritual understanding, not just a head knowledge about God. There's a Holy Spirit revelation of who God is, who He is. That is essential. Well, secondly, so, okay, so I'm made in the image of God. That's who I am. Why am I here? Well, I believe Paul tells us. See, the world says you're here by chance. So the result is while you're here, consume and enjoy. Live to make the most money so you can consume more. And the cycle continues and the consumption cycle continues and sin continues. That we just consume, 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 die because we're not really sure what happens on the other side. So maybe you add a bit of spirituality into that, and into that spirituality you say, well, I'm going to do a whole bunch of good along the way, and I'm going to live anxious about maybe my good was good enough. Well, Paul says this, why am I here on this earth? All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in all things, in, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the, ch- the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In everything. Okay, again, Mark, that's Jesus. That's awesome. What is the story? Well, there's so much theology in there. We would take weeks upon weeks upon weeks to understand the importance of the firstborn. The importance of every throne being upon, the importance of Christ, the head of his body, the church. Those are humongous theologies, but at the end of the day, the apostle reveals us so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Why are you here? Because Jesus wants to have the supremacy in your life. What is your purpose? To bring glory and honor to Jesus as he bestows upon you a crown. Of his glory and grace. Oh, Mark, that's oversimplistic. Well, it, it is because that's the gospel. That's why I exist. That is why I make my decision. That is how I choose the decisions upon my life. That is how families who stand here this morning saying, we dedicate our little ones to Jesus. They are making a decision, a statement of faith, not just we are choosing the Christian faith. What a pointless statement if it is not backed up by there is Jesus on the other side of that. There is his glory. There is his grace. There is a spirit-empowered journey ahead. I cannot parent outside of that grace. I cannot and neither can you. I cannot walk my daily life out. And so every decision I make in my life, where will I live? What will I give my time to? How will I invest our finances as a decision to make Jesus supreme every single time? doesn't matter what the the job is the bible says all well how about my money my kids my wife uh, jesus you see no one wants a something salvation let me explain what a something salvation is well i'm going to die for you on a cross i'm going to die for financial sin sexual sin but i'm not going to die for arrogance and pride sorry doesn't sound like a great salvation because i don't think there's a man that's walked this earth that hasn't put his feet into either of those. I don't want a something salvation. I wanted a savior said, actually, it is finished. Every bit of it is done, done, done. And so when he calls for a salvation that is complete and perfect in every way for wherever you've been or whatever you've done, I'm telling you there is a fight on the other side for a revelation of the king of kings who is supreme in everything in our lives. In everything. Because everything was created by him. Everything for him, everything before him. Christ holds it all together. See, it's an issue of supremacy. 
See, Paul's fighting for the Colossians, as you read, and we'll get to chapter 2, saying there's a challenge. They're looking for a God mix, just a, a package, a Jesus package, where Jesus is in the package saying, no, 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 guys. You can't add on to Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. If I, I'll just have a bit of Jesus, some of me, some of money, some of uh, acclaim and profile. If I just package it all together, I'll still worship Jesus. Paul's saying, guys, from a prison cell, I'm telling you it doesn't work. I'm telling you that on the other side of that journey, it's not about your circumstance. It's not about your situation. If you have Jesus and he's supreme. See, the ultimate purpose of all things is to bring Christ glory and honor in everything. So who am I? I'm washed by God. I'm clothed in his righteousness. And I only know that because I've looked into his eyes and seen his grace. And why am I here and what is my purpose? Well, parents, today I'm going to tell you, your parenting job is to bring God glory and to make him supreme. Your parenting job is not to give them the greatest degree they could ever get to leave millions and millions in a bank. Those things are awesome, but they're not supreme. And there's a difference. And thirdly, where does it all go wrong? How does it all go wrong? Because there's obviously some things going wrong. Well, Paul addresses this and he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in his minds because of your evil behavior. Oh, so there was a time. He's writing to Colossians to say, before you made a decision, you were alienated from God and all the chaos that was going on was because of your evil behavior. Yes, sin. And maybe sometimes we don't speak about it enough, but there is the sin that causes chaos. And we still live in an age where Jesus has come, but the fullness of his kingdom hasn't come yet. That is a big subject of theology, but an important one, that there is a day he will come where all authority, all power, there will be no more space for sin because there'll only be the glory of God and there will be a judgment time before that. But we live in the in-between. We live here. It's an awkward, awkward place to live sometimes. That's why we need grace. It's, it's a space of liminality. It's an area of life where you're not quite sure exactly because, yes, I'm completely saved. And, yes, why do I still struggle sometimes? It's the young man who at 18 years old, because of his culture, becomes circumcised, has to go to the bush, even though he's lived in the city for his whole life, goes to the bush for a month. But he's not a man yet. He's got the markings of a man. He'll be a man a month later once he overcomes this trial and challenge. In the middle, who are you? Well, you're somewhere in between. That is the age in which we live. We live in that age, age of confusion sometimes. And that's why it's important, Paul writes, says, in this time, make sure in all things, and he uses the word all, all over the place. He says, in all things, make Jesus supreme in your life. See, the problem is the fact that we don't acknowledge the supremacy of Christ. The problem is that I start with myself as the yardstick for all things. And what I do by that is I make myself a king. And I'm not king of my life. See, we all want a Savior who is omnipotent, has power for days, that when the, when the bad ball comes and cancer comes into my story or sickness comes in or financial turmoil, we want to be able to run to the king and say, omnipotent king. The problem, Jesus didn't come just to be the omnipotent king. He came to be the sovereign king, sovereign over all. He came. To be the one and only one who has your heart and my heart. And the problem is when we choose omnipotence but no sovereignty, we hold the power. And Jesus says, no, but I want both. Because then when I have both, 
we are at the mercy of God. So what we know about God is really important. Because if you hand him all the power and you hand him all the decision and clarity and, and, and sovereign over all, and we're coming before his mercy, then you've got to know some things about God. You've got to know that he's good. You've got to know that he is faithful to his promises. You've got to know that the word father of this earth doesn't define who the glorious father of heaven is. You've got to know that in your deepest, darkest moments, he is the lily of the valley. You've got to know those things. But you can't just know them. You've got to know them. And there's a difference. See, there's new normals of today, and they want to rise up in our world. The new normals that establish themselves in our lives. But the writer of Hebrews challenges us, says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You know how you have to do to fix your eyes? You have to take your eyes off a whole bunch of other things. You've got to take your eyes off a whole bunch of other things. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. And in knowing that he is faithful, trusting him in every detail of our lives. This is the journey of sonship. We, we give ourselves too much credit sometimes. We, we start to think, yo, look at us, we're walking. We got this thing, man. Well, that's when you learn what falling is. See, when you're just a baby and you fall, you think you're walking. And your dad's on Facebook, look at him, he's walking. No, he's not, he's just falling. But the father's going, he's walking. Because grace is in that story. And when we stay there at the mercy seat, when we stay there at the place of his grace pouring over our lives, it's the grace of God pours over and we just start walking. You know what happens when we fix our eyes on Jesus? When we make him supreme and we, we don't, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix my eyes on finances and fix those and fix those. Things. No, take your eyes off those things. It doesn't mean don't work hard. Work hard, but fix your eyes on Jesus. And on the other side, you will stumble into his grace. You will stumble into his goodness. You will find yourself walking in a way that you never knew how you got there. It's called the grace of God. It's called the gentle hand of the shepherd in our lives. It's just called being a follower of Jesus. It's not. And I love this Isaiah 9 verse 6. The one we read at Christmas time. It's like our Christmas scripture. But it's so much more. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who wants the Prince of Peace? Yeah, I do. Who wants the Everlasting Counselor? I, I do. And I want all those things. And we say, God, I want your counsel. I want your peace. I want your power. I want it all. And he says, cool, can I be the government in your life? Because the government rests on his shoulders. Can I be Lord and Savior and King of your life? And I sit with people all the time, and it's, it's always the same things. It's, it's financial pressures or work job pressures. It's relational challenges, all these challenges. And I'm telling you, I'm not a great marriage counselor, because all I tell them is, go back to Jesus. Surrender before Jesus. Humble yourself before Jesus. Mark, you're not giving me any points about marriage. I'm giving you the only points that matter. The only points. The other stuff, you'll find out on your way with Jesus. Oh, Mark, I need finance. My financial story is in the chaos. No, well, don't be like the guy who, when he gets baptized, takes his watch and puts it over there, his, power, his, his, his cell phone over there, and all his contacts, his status, takes his wallet out, puts it, puts his money there. Jesus, you can have all of me. You just can't have my money, my time, and my influence. But you can have all the rest. It's a pretty good deal. He says, but I took it all to the cross. I'm sovereign or nothing. And we sit with our finances. So what, what, is it? what does the Bible say? Well, it says work hard. 
It says, honor your boss. It says, trust God. It says, find satisfaction in God alone and not an income or a money at the man moment. It says, be like God. Give. Give to his kingdom. Give to others. Be like him. Pay your taxes. Pay your employees well. Because you are reflecting an image. And you know what you'll stumble into? You'll stumble into financial peace. Financial peace is not seven steps to financial peace. Financial steps is one step to surrendering to the supremacy of Jesus. So what's the answer? If there's these, I know who I am. I've gone on this journey of finding my purpose, but there's this chaos. Well, there is an answer. And, it, and, it, and maybe you'll pardon me the oversimplification, but again, almost all religions of this earth say this. Have some kind of religious experience. And then do a whole bunch of good things along the way from that experience. And if you get to the end and all your good things tell you the, the great whoever at the end might look at it and say, oh, I'll let you in. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ looks at you, the Father looks at you, and you've done nothing except receive and believe. And you receive righteousness. And you receive all you've ever needed. So the challenge of this world and this story is about do a whole bunch of good things. I know I'm inherently not good. How do I know? Because at eight years old, I used to shoot cars on Ridge Road with a pellet gun. At nine year old, I hit about 150 of those grenadillas with my new tennis racket into my paraplegic neighbor's pool. At 10 years old, and the stories continue. That was my life. Some of you are horrified. I wasn't born like this. I know I'm not good. I don't need someone to tell me that. I default to smallness. I default to the lusts of this world sometimes. And yet I have to throw myself before the mercy of it because I know who he is. I've seen too much. Well, there's a second problem. What are all these things and, that happened before my religious experience? How does my religious experience do away with that? Well, they can't. All your good things, they can't. But the grace of Jesus, perfect in every way. I love this scripture for our sake 2 Corinthians 5 he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God it's not just I get something I get a passport I don't just get a passport to heaven I become the righteousness of God let that sink in a little bit but Mark I know what I thought last night so do I and yet the Bible says because of the grace of God I've become the righteousness. Because when the father looks at me, he sees his perfect son. And Paul puts it this way. He says, for God was pleased. I'm going to read the, 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 another translation. It says, for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and on earth brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. It's the gospel. Oh, Mark, we always preach the gospel. Well, that's all we need. I am convinced the gospel wasn't the thing you needed on the day you heard about Jesus. I need the gospel every moment, every decision, every hour, every time. I need to be reminded that a price has been paid for me. So how do we end? I want to tell you my belief is that we don't have a sin problem. We don't have a selfishness problem. You, you don't have a, 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 an arrogance problem. You don't have a financial problem or an emotional sufficiency problem. We have a supremacy problem. 
And our journey as the church is to keep positioning Jesus as supreme in our lives, in our finances, in our emotions, in our relationships, choosing Jesus every time. Choose him every time. And when we do that, you know what? We'll see signs and wonders. And we can not choose Jesus and have a thousand prayer meetings. And I promise you we won't see the signs and wonders God has called us to see. But when we choose Jesus and we make him supreme in our lives, we will see signs and wonders. Like young men who came to this church years ago, full of depression, on antidepressant meds for two years, meets a girl who came to this church who used to be engaged to a Muslim man. They find each other in church. Why? Because God is gracious. And we get to marry up. That's how it works. It's called grace. It's called the gospel. Maybe that doesn't sound, you want to see a leg grow. I do too. But I promise you now, compared to a transformed life in Jesus. I want to give you three action points because sometimes we preach. We go, well, Mark, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? How do I live that out? How do I make Jesus supreme? I'm going to make Jesus. No, you not do that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Three simple things to action this. Number one, choose him. You know what you've got to do to choose Jesus? You've got to say no to a bunch of other stuff sometimes. Oh, but, but that looks so good. And if I just jumped into that relationship. Now, I was also 19 and I also thought it looked good at the time. If, if I just did this financial thing and I just didn't pay the tax man for a little bit, I could use it there. And I'll even give. I'll give to someone. I'll give. No, choose Jesus. Choose his ways, choose his power, choose his life, choose him. And secondly, when you choose him, understand that on the other side of choosing him, there is a journey called glorifying him. Oh, Mark, I'm a tax collector, I'm an accountant. Glorify him. Give it your best shot. Love people. Be generous with people. And in every step, whether it is from raising children from young ages to engaging people in the brokenness of their world to a 20-year-old DJ meeting a 17-year-old girl encountering the love of Jesus Christ, glorify him. Because when Jesus is glorified, his power will be made manifest. We will see signs and wonders. We will see things that the world will look. That's the church of Jesus Christ. They won't need billboards and signboards and neon signs on a wall. They'll just need you and I living life, doing life, leading people. Which means if you're a boss in the marketplace, pay well. Pay with faith. Simple things that glorify him. And lastly, pursue him. Oh, Mark, that's a bit touchy-feely for me. I'm not that generation. No, I'm telling you. The Bible says... Jesus responds to hunger and thirst. It's the currency of heaven. Hunger and thirst. Do you thirst for Jesus in a dry and weary land? The problem is sometimes we are plan makers. Like Moses, we lift up our sticks and we strike the rocks. And you know what? God's so gracious, sometimes he'll still bring water from the rock and feed his people. Because he's gracious. But he's looking at people who will learn to listen to his voice. Of people who pursue him through deserts, through wilderness, and through treacherous territories. To be a people who, in the end of that journey, can follow a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's all he was ever trying to teach them, and he's all he's ever trying to teach us. Will we pursue him, follow him, trust him? I'm telling you, at the end of this journey, it's not about my lust problem. It's not about, it's about what and who is supreme in my life. Deuteronomy 10, 
Verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Can we stand? That's all right. You've been very quiet this morning. Don't know if it's my shirt. Can we close our eyes? Bible says that signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. Right now, I pray for signs and wonders, God, to follow the preaching of this word. I believe God can heal bodies right now, not because a man or a woman lays hands on you, but just because he is supreme and sovereign overall. Ask him. I believe God can take those chains away that have held year after year, circumstance after circumstance, and the, the ref was counting eight, nine, ten. And you thought it was the last time you would hear the count. And yet Jesus, 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 as we started out, Spirit of God, I pray, show us Jesus. Not more of the church buildings, not more of anything other than the glory and the wonder and the splendor of Jesus. I pray, Spirit of God, help us to choose Jesus again in areas where we've lacked trust. you fighting cycles of sin in your life this morning. I want to give you a new strategy. Stop fighting and fix your eyes on Jesus. Be captivated by Jesus. Stop listening to the count. One, two, three. Trying harder to get up. Here's what I'll probably, I'll say. You can't. But he did. And because he did, you can. And because he did, you will. And because he is risen, you will rise. Choose him this morning. I pray, Lord, that the count in people's lives would go quiet. The crowd would go quiet in our lives. The applause the booze, they would go quiet in our lives. And I pray like Paul did on that road. As his world of arrogance and pride, achievement, went quiet. As he lost his sight for three days. I pray God, give us a vision of Jesus. Last week as we ended, we prayed three simple things together. And I've prayed these things every day of this series because I know that there are little kings that would want to establish themselves in my life and my heart. But I really do just want Jesus. And if you want that journey too, I'm going to pray you would pray these simple lines of a prayer with me. Jesus be my king. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my everything. 
can you pray that actually, if you're saying, God, I need your grace in this moment, would you raise your hands to him as we pray this together? Will you raise your hands to him? It's a sign of faith. It's not me. It's not a response to me. It's a sign to him saying, God, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I need you. And can we pray that prayer together? Jesus, be my king. Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my everything. Jesus, be my king. Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my everything. Lord, we read your word like no other this morning. We come under your word today. We believe that signs and wonders will follow. We believe lives will be transformed. And we believe we can do this with you, God. We can walk. We can bring you glory and honor. Thank you for the promises you've spoken over every child and daughter of yours today. Let freedom be our song. Let joy be the currency which with we walk. We praise you, King Jesus. Can we just say that? We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, praise you, King. Be sovereign over all, Lord. And one day we'll stand and like David, we'll pray. Our Lord, who am I, O sovereign God? And what is my family that you have brought us this far? We thank you, King.